Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Jacob shares his winding path going to university in Prague and leveraging multiple internships, including at KPMG and Accenture, to get important experience. Learn why he went to Seoul, how he landed a full-time offer at an investment bank in Vienna, why he transitioned to Munich, and some sacrifices he made along the way for family. Enjoy. All right, Jacob, thanks so much for taking the time to join the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Hi, pleasure to be here. So it'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, so I uh, started in investment banking in 2014. I bit of, took a bit of an unusual route, uh, joined uh, Unicredit in Czech Republic, then uh, transferred through the bank into the Austrian CE office. And uh, then I went into a tech boutique called Brian Garnier and Co for a few years. And actually now I'm back at Unicredit, but in the, in the German office covering the German market. Very cool. So you were, you're from the Czech Republic, from, from Prague? Um, or yes, I'm, a, I'm from a small village in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Uh, but I, I studied to my university in Prague. And tell me a little bit about that. So, um, you know, in Prague, is there, uh, is there a lot of, I assume there's not a lot of recruiting for investment banking. Tell me, when did you think finance was something that you were interested in? Tell me about, like, did you do, is there on-campus recruiting there at the University of Prague? Is there, what's the, what's the process like of landing a job in finance from there? For finance, there is recruiting from the big four and the local lenders, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not much investment banking, you know, the, there is a stock exchange in Prague with about 11 stocks being traded. Uh, so there's, there's no equity capital market basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I was aware of at university, I studied international trade mm-hmm. and before going into that direction, I also considered the finance program, but it seemed to me like, you know, it's kind of geared towards people becoming accountants and that sounded boring to me. At the I big four, you inter- mean? At the big four, mostly. So people did finance. Or, they were or in, or or in, in, you know, in the finance team of a corporate, not necessarily finance in the sense of, you know, investment banking or private equity or that kind of direction. Uh, so did I you know to, what those were? Did you even know what investment banking was and and stuff when you were an undergrad? Not really. I mean, uh, you know, I I had the vague idea of that there's you know people who buy companies, but uh, the advisory part I didn't really had on my radar. So you kind of knew what M&A was, uh, but did you, when did you kind of think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do um, this international trade thing. And then specifically, um, were you doing internships kind of during the summer? Yes, exactly. Not uh, also, I was just kind of working part-time as a kind of working student uh, in, in different companies. And then, you know, actually I did the most logical experience for working in international trade. I went to a consumer goods company. And I worked in their marketing department. And then after some months, I realized this is definitely not for me. Uh, so let's, let's change tracks. And uh, I, why, why was I, that? Why was it not for you? It was a nine to five job where uh, it had certain cycles, you know, monthly, quarterly, annual cycles of, of things that repeat, uh, you know, also the, the, the brands the company had were those kind of staples that you, Grab in the supermarket, you don't really care whether it's the that brand or this brand. Got it. Uh, so even the promotion, you know, I, I I wasn't sure that all the marketing activities that the company were doing, whether it's 
really actually makes any difference to the customers or yeah. whether it's just kind of the the randomness of how do you choose uh, you know uh, like a, a household product probably more I, important I don't really think the about it the positioning on the shelf is probably a lot more important than the marketing um yeah <laughs> exactly or whatever is still there and the others are sold out you know i grab what's what's the nearest to to my line of sight okay so it wasn't uh, so, it wasn't for you it seemed too predictable it wasn't you didn't see there was a lot of value being added by the marketing team so you said i don't want this did you get a full-time offer or an offer to come back or what was that like i was in the second year of university so probably like what you would call a sophomore, sophomore in there yeah. in the in the in the u.s lingo hmm. and uh i thought you know I, I could continue doing this throughout university and then probably join us uh, full time, but it doesn't seem that interesting. Let's try something else. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did uh, an audit internship in KPMG. Mm -hmm. uh, that was very good for, you know, getting more insights into how finance actually works, mm -hmm. learning more about accounting because my university definitely did not. Uh, I mean, it wasn't the focus of the program. Yep. So I get a bit more practical experience and also insights how companies actually work and uh, what's important, what are the different teams, who's doing what, and uh, what what could, could be more interesting. So uh, did you have any family? You went from came from a small village. Does that mean nobody worked in finance or accounting or any of this stuff? What do your parents do? Like, I, I, Tell me a little bit more about your background. Do you have siblings? Uh, are you the oldest? Uh, I'm the youngest of five. Oh, wow. My father is a car mechanic and my mother is, I would say, uh, an administrator of a music school where there is a certain accounting element to it. Okay. But uh, what I do has nothing to do with, with what she does. Got it. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe there was a bit of a genetic predisposition <laughs> to dealing with numbers. But uh, apart from that, no, no particular uh, family tradition of investment banking. Fair. Okay, uh, so, so you're so you're kind of coming through university. You've done the marketing internship. You've done the the big four audit internship, and then so at this point, are you getting more exposure? Are you learning more during those internships from talking to people? What's it What's it like? Is it a small office there? Are you networking? Do you know anything about any of this stuff? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I, I was I was at the you know the big four in Czech Republic. It's still a couple hundred people in yeah. the different teams. Yeah. Uh, and then the the clients are still, you know, the local subsidiaries of multinational corporations mm -hmm. uh, that, that you would audit. So that's a pretty good exposure. And I would say everyone from my kind of class in that in that year of people who are doing internships, some of them are, you know, in high positions in corporates and controlling or 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 general kind of corporate finance. Some people went into banking, you know, so it's very much spread out but the the network was pretty good and i also even though i wasn't working in that area i also got to know what you know the consulting part is doing what 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 the kind of corporate finance advisory cool. part is doing so i met those people in the hallway and i had lunch with them and through that i i learned a bit more that's awesome uh, and but, did you were, were a lot of people like were there certain people that were really um trying to get out of the czech republic to get to london to get to munich to get to these other larger kind of cities that have more of a finance uh, hub or what was that? What was the thought process of like location? Did you feel like, did people feel like they were stuck because um, language barrier or, um, you know, regional, or did they feel like, was there a lot of mobility from these internships to the London's of the world and Munich's of the world? I would say a lot of people for them, it was a kind of stepping stone. I knew some people who transferred through the company to other offices. Mm -hmm. But then also some people also came from a similar university background and then, you know, just got uh, on the back of having worked for an international brand going to a similar thing abroad uh, to to London, to different cities across Germany, Paris, mm -hmm. uh, different things. One of my colleagues from the from the KPMG audit internship then went on to a restructuring firm in New York, uh, oh. getting a full time offer there. So wow. uh, I would say there's... Uh, a mix of different things and but was but that on your radar of, was that on your radar were you like hey i want to do this i eventually want to get to germany or would that ever or like what was no, the, it wasn't no okay. at that at that time it wasn't why do you think and, why do you think you weren't thinking of like 
going abroad? Did you want to stay close to home? Did you have a group of friends you wanted to stay close to? What was the thought process? And there was just no thought not, process. Not necessarily. It was just, you know, I, I still had a bit of university in front of me, so I didn't really think about it at that time. I thought, you know, let me see when I graduate, I'll think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I wasn't really sure about the direction either. Uh, so after this audit thing, I I went into strategy consulting with Accenture. Uh-huh. And there I did also very different things than before. It was kind of this uh, classical what you would see in movies about consultants having projects where the assignment is just we need to save costs, find out where. And that was the whole job. Uh, very kind of creative, do, doing uh, whatever you can figure out to, to help the company save money. So were you doing uh, a lot of analysis in Excel, looking at the numbers, trying to figure out where they could cut costs, or were you doing a lot of work at the actual companies and the clients? Both. I mean, some of the initiatives were, you know, kind of the accounting trickery. How can you present things in a different way so that the company looks better? Some of it was making actual changes in their processes and figure out how those processes work. Who decides what? Can it be done faster? Uh, sometimes, you know, it was just, it was a company that did a lot of procurement. Mm. Uh, so with a lot of them, they had established suppliers. No one ever questioned the terms. So it was just, let's step in and question things. Yeah, and uh, as it turns out, when you do that, a lot of things are actually quite flexible, <laughs> and if you exercise the pressure at the right point, people people budge. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you're that's. It sounds like you had a lot of great internships. You had the marketing. You realized it's not for me. You had the big for the KPMG audit internship. You kind of got a, a little bit more of a broad exposure in the network, and then you get a management consulting Accenture position. So, and nowhere here though are we hitting really a true finance banking internship, which is interesting. So tell me a little bit about, so in these internships are long, they're during, they're during university, right? They're almost for the full year. We were working, doing projects while exactly. you were Exactly, so it was, uh, it was uh, you know, uh, the, it was technically meant as to, to be done part-time uh, outside of your university schedule, mm -hmm. but at least at the university that I went to, the, it's called now Prague University of Economics and Business. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, uh, there's lectures and there's seminars. The lectures, you can attend, you don't have to. The seminars are usually mandatory, mm -hmm. but you are the master of your schedule. And usually there's three available slots in a week, so you can pack them in one day uh, into a tough day where you need to uh, pay a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the rest of the week the, to be designed on your own. So, so I did that and I worked three, sometimes four days a week. And mm -hmm. then, you know... <laughs> Three three days in a in a consulting firm are already a full time job in other industries. Mm -hmm. So so you so were doing probably like sixty to eighty hours a week at the, in consulting, you think, and then another ten to fifteen at school. Yes, I would say it was like you know twelve fourteen hour days in 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 consulting, and then you know the university kind of uh, spilling into the weekend and uh, yeah. spending maybe one or two days on it actually during the week. Why were you so motivated? Well, one thing was, you know, this, uh, it, uh, it certainly helped with the budget. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I would say, unlike in Western did, yeah, Europe or in the pay? US, they, yeah, the internships you? are actually pretty well paid. So Tell I would me, say even, even as, a, as, a, as a consultant in, in Accenture on this kind of student contract, I would say I was already at that time making more than the averages in the Czech Republic. So yeah. it's like 1,500 euros gross a month. Wow. And I would say the country average is like 1,200. 1500 euros a month which is almost like what almost like 2500 bucks usd per month exactly. for somebody living in a low cost of living in the czech republic that goes very far exactly so i mean yeah. uh, you know that was also kind of motivated by a certain standard of living i wanted to have uh, you know a flat where i would be the the, the, <laughs> so was the it a master lot of, of my kingdom did you have any time to party or enjoy it though or no oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah? i mean <laughs> certainly certainly felt nice you know when when after a party my friends would go back with the subway and i would go in a taxi yeah. just you know having that kind of having that kind of freedom certainly certainly was nice but you know it also allowed me to move kind of socially and in my in my in my kind of uh, circle uh, more to interact with people who were already in in the work life and not students yeah and it completely changed my my mindset one, once I saw, you know, there's some people who have actually stuff going on. They don't just, you know, attend lectures and submit papers. 
uh, and then from then I, I mean I like kind of, your, your, also, your group of social friends was started becoming more professional actual people who are working because you were going out to these was exactly. it clubs was it dinners what was it that you mostly met some of these people yeah but also sometimes it's just you know uh, you know the, the drink of choice in the Czech Republic is beer and then you get introduced to other people that other people know that actually turned out later to be very valuable business contacts for, for various things yeah, you know, because it's also there's a certain lifestyle to people who finish uh, a nine to five job, and then there's you know the other people who finish at eleven and then go out. Yeah. Uh, so at that time you meet uh, similar like-minded people, and that was it was also kind of became a, a actually an invaluable network. Yeah. And then of course you know through those internships and various experiences you also find out okay which directions are other people taking what are they interested in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when did you first really realize, oh, investment banking, this might be kind of interesting. When was that conversation? Do you remember? Was it over a beer with somebody? Yeah, it was at the beginning of, of my uh, Accenture experience. I kind of became aware that banks are hiring way ahead of schedule for summer internships. Mm-hmm. So in that fall of 2012, I applied for some summer internships in, with banks in London. And uh, I, I didn't get any, but it was an interesting experience. Did you get you know, any interviews that, or just got shut down? Yes, I got interviews. Oh, good. And also I, I, I got impressed by the style of how banks do it, that, you know, they fly you in, they let you stay in a fancy <laughs> hotel. hotel in the city center of London. Uh, they, they, they waste time on you to ask you so many questions, this quantitative test, psychology to analyze your, your mind to the... You were impressed. You said, "Oh, I want to do this." So, but but tell me first of all, how many places do you actually submit your resume for this inter- these summer internships? Um, how many places? Like, was it ten? Was it twenty? And then, how many actual interviews did you get? First round interviews, and do you do those over the phone? And then they flew you in, so you made it to some super days. Or tell me a little bit more about that, because I think that's interesting to people coming from potentially the other European, you know, other European. I, I think I applied for like four or five. Uh-huh. Oh, it's not that many. I, 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 did the, I did the online test with maybe two or three, and I had one in-person interview. Got it. Where they flew uh, you into London. Well, exactly. Do you remember what banks and they, they were? The interview was with HSBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was certainly interesting. Also, I mean, for me, it was the first time actually being in London mm-hmm. and, you know, going into a skyscraper. And having actually something to do there, not just not just seeing them from the outside. So yeah. that was uh, that was a uh, you know it's a totally new experience. But then you know the the personal experience I got from talking to people who are actual bankers was <laughs> hugely unpleasant. I mean, I I I, I thought the the way they would you know kind of uh, stressfully look out the, look at their phone in between questions being being completely distracted not uh, not not really following what i was saying half of the time then 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 t- is asking questions that seemingly had no connection to one another and then rushing off uh, even a few minutes before the interview was scheduled to end uh, so that was a bit of a mixed experience but uh, it got me intrigued into, you know, the, what, the way they described what they were doing. It sounded interesting. And I thought, okay, maybe I can do something in this direction. And were uh, the interviews but, for like just a generalist program or was it for like M&A specifically, Levfin? Do you remember? I think it, this, what I actually applied for was project finance. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. because it had this kind of angle, you know, it's international projects. I thought with my international trade background, that will be hugely relevant for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least that's what I thought at the time. Uh, but, you know, I got, I got shut down, but, you know, I got to see London. I, 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 I think I stayed for three days. I, I did sightseeing around the interview uh, on, on, on the, cool. at the expense of HSBC. So uh, <laughs> overall, it was, it was a nice experience. And I thought, you know, okay, let's let's table it for now. Uh, I didn't get the summer internship. It would have anyway been a kind of a cost stretch for me to move to London for two months just to do the internship. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if I if I don't get it, I'll just why I'll they just don't do pay something else. They don't pay you. They do pay, but the pay was you know something that would cover a room in a shared flat and right. have nothing left over. Right. I mean, the pay was actually miserable, and given the fact that I had a somewhat 
well-paid job in Czech Republic, I thought, okay, there's no reason to compromise for this. Now, looking back, do you agree, do you agree with that? Would you have still been happy to get the banking job earlier? Do you feel like it would have been worth it just to live in that shared and somehow scrape together enough to eat? <laughs> well, it, it certainly would have taken me in a different direction. Yeah. But, you know, now when I see kids who are doing, you know, kind of m and internships or investment banking internships, you know, a lot of those you get uh, squeezed to your bone on, on, on doing stuff uh, around the clock. And it's, uh, it's not necessarily a requirement to, to get a full-time job to have done previous internships in that field. At yeah. least that was my experience. So this was, so, this was this whole process where you went to London and did all this. This was kind of near the beginning of your Accenture. A inter- ten-month kind of internship in Prague. Exactly. So I was kind of halfway through that. Uh, in okay. the it was I think February. Yeah. And then you know uh, I had intended to finish university kind of in the in the summer following that or in the fall following that. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, if I don't get it, I'll continue with the university, continue doing something work-wise in in Prague, and then when I graduate, I can still kind of apply again for a full-time job in in this or that direction. Did you have any idea that most of the positions were filled typically with interns and that there weren't many full-time no. spots? You had no idea about that. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I also didn't kind of feel whether, you know, it's a good time to go into banking or not. I, I kind of got the vibe from people who are a few years older that, you know, around 2008, nine, there was some sort of financial crisis that, uh, that were, that was bad for finance jobs, but I didn't really, experience it as a, something very bad i mean it didn't yeah affect i mean you me were personally you were coming out at like the time when things had finally not i won't say healed but it was finally headed back getting better because even from 08 09 2010 2011 it was still kind of just like just starting to kind of crest and get come back up in terms of like hiring and stuff like that um and and that's maybe a bit more of a U.S. perspective. I mean, in yeah. Europe, you know, there was that was the time of the this debt crisis with Greece, oh, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm not sure that the labor market was at a much better shape than than immediately it after the yeah we after know. the financial crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, what happened. So you you finished up in August, that that August with Accenture. Were you starting to kind of recruit full, for full time roles around there, like before your graduation? And tell me how you went Actually, about. My my last semester at university was an exchange semester in South Korea. Oh, so interesting. it was kind of a Why personal growth personal growth experience. I wanted to go as far as I could. And I got the scholarship from, from the Korean government. They paid for literally everything. Uh and uh, you know, living in a in a city of whatever twenty million or more, it was it was it was totally an eye-opening experience of what the options are and what what other people are doing you know had you know even though it's a it's a remote asian country the mix of students was really global and you know i also asked everyone who was who went there what what their career plans are what they've been doing and they all said investment banking just kidding (laughs) 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 i'm gonna do investment banking i'm gonna do private equity that's what they all said right now just kidding No, no, no. But uh, but there were a few people that were doing kind of similar things, and we we kind of talked about you know. And in my mind, there was kind of two areas to go into: something that's more like project work, unstructured, creative, but uh, demanding time schedule, or uh, a more predictable, boring job, nine to five. And uh, after those experiences, you know, having seen both, I was certain that I want to do in kind of an unstructured project, creative work. You know, and uh, after after actually finishing the university, I applied, you know, for consulting companies and for banks and for some like you weren't financial even applying, investment. You weren't even applying while you're still in university. You're in South Korea, you're exploring, you're you're probably partying, having a good time, like having making new friends. And tell me a little bit about just your thought process. Your thought process is always like, yeah, it'll work out. I'll just go home after this and I'll just start applying to places and get a job actually i applied to a few positions from there but then i got this time suggestions assuming i'm in europe so i did a few interviews in like the middle of the night or at midnight uh with 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 uh with the interviewer uh, being at the other side of the world so i thought okay that's that doesn't make sense let's let's just uh wait and see and then i came back 
and I really had nothing going on. You know, it was like I had finished up all of my duties at university mm-hmm. and uh, I had already quit the position at, at Accenture before. Uh, so I didn't, didn't have, it didn't have that. And I was just, you know, I was in a flat and just scrolling through all the opportunities what, of what one can do professionally and applying for, for everything possible. Did you get nervous at all at that point when you came back and you realized <clears throat> I don't have the income anymore and I'm, I have this flat, how much was the flat? So you're, you were, you were previously making, I think you said like 1500 euros a month. Yeah, the flat was not that expensive, but it was rather the fact that I had literally splurged everything on my on my uh, foreign ex- the exchange, and then uh, when you I were, came you back, were partying I, had, in I, Korea. I had I had an income of zero, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and how much not much bank? left in the bank account. So yeah. I was like, okay, let's. How let's much start. do you remember? How much you had? Like five thousand euros or three thousand euros or something? <laughs> not even that. It not was uh, <laughs> it was in the hundreds. <laughs> So hundreds of euros, probably only a few months left before the rent. Uh, you can't pay the rent. And you have to remember, you know, it's on the US. I didn't have a credit card. So it was like, whatever there is in cash, that's it. That's what you get. And yeah, yeah. and I was hoping I wouldn't have to, you know, go stay with my parents for two months while I'm looking for a job. So I was like, let's let's focus and find something. Yeah. So tell me how and you went about that search. And, it, you know, you're, you're in Prague. How are you doing that search? How are you doing that global search? And then tell, tell, tell us how you ended up with the interviews, how many times you applied, how many rejections, as much as info as you can get in about that. I think it's interesting to hear like the struggle. I think I've must have sent hundreds of CVs to various jobs, you know, locally. And then also something that would be interesting, uh, internationally. I applied for some positions in London I didn't really think of going into the German-speaking region at the time, even though I I, I, I learned German uh, for many years before. Uh, so you know and, English, you, you know English, Czech, and German. Yes. Wow. Exactly those three languages, and I also learned a bit of Spanish. But uh, you know, I <laughs> quickly throughout university realized that that's not a language that's much relevant for business if you want to stay in Europe. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'll work either in Czech Republic or in an English speaking environment, maybe, you know, in some other place, but in a, in a global company where the working language would anyway be English. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm sending all these, in, uh, sending all these CVs, having some interviews. I got a few offers that, uh, kind of lined up in parallel and some of them, you know, I just, you know, the company wanted to hire me and I just got a strange vibe that maybe that's not the direction that I want to go. So I actually declined offers while I had nothing really. Tell me what, that, but tell me who these companies to go were. Into. Why did you get a strange vibe? Be more specific. Why? Were they small companies? Like, were you were nervous? They were they local? Uh, one of one of them was into a structured finance position of a, of a local bank. Uh-huh. And I just thought, okay, that's going to be. You know, it's it sounds uh, on paper like it might be interesting, but it seems very repetitive, uh, number crunching. So I was like, "That's that's that's gonna be a dead end for me." Yeah. And uh, I also got uh, an offer from from the Boston Consulting Group to join them in the Prague office, but they said the projects are in a lot of cases abroad and in uh, in in many of them in countries further east in eastern europe you know helping some public companies or energy conglomerates on their on their processes and cost saving and all that so you'd be and sent thought, out to oh, middle of nowhere basically exactly i thought sent i'm going to be Siberia. sent out to 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 belgrade or 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 bucharest or whatever it might be where i don't speak the language i'll be the supposed expert and I'll just be producing slides around the clock um, on topics that don't really interest me. Mm. So uh, I would say they they probably did a bad job describing of what the what the what the job would be. Well, that was uh, lucky really that you of, yeah, because you could end it up there on these long engagements in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and then also my experience from consulting was you know it's, uh, the work seemed interesting and we really brought some good ideas to the client, but then I never got to see whether they actually implemented any of that. Mm-hmm. So I had the idea, okay, let's do something that, you know, if I finish the work, it will have some real world impact. And uh, it was at that time that I had the interview for Unicredit. They were looking for someone for the MA team. And, you know, uh, I, didn't, I certainly didn't ace the interview, 
but they got the impression that I had some some real work experience and uh, I got hired directly as an analyst, even though the company had kind of a graduate program, I was allowed to kind of skip it and join in as a kind of, let's call it second year analyst, uh, if you will. Because you had all that experience from Accenture and whatnot, they let you come in as a second year analyst. When you say you didn't ace it, do you mean like you got some of the technical like DCF evaluation questions wrong or something like that? They didn't really even ask me that. Uh, there was, there was, I would say, some general finance topics, accounting that I guess I answered kind of okay. But then there was a practical case study of producing a company profile, mm-hmm. and they left me with a laptop and some financial statements of the company that would come out of the database. But it was a non-consolidated uh, annual report. And I was supposed to just to check in the publicly available database for the consolidated report and include that in the profile, which I didn't think of. Uh, so that kind of gave me gave me the impression, okay, that interview was interesting. I would like to get this, but I may not because of how I did in the interview. Mm. But they still uh, gave you the offer and the offer was in, was where? The offer was in Prague. Mm-hmm. And I actually did start working there, but as part of the interview already, they told me a, a part of the kind of, uh, induction would be to be sent into their regional headquarters in Vienna, which covers all of the Central and Eastern Europe, uh, for a kind of a short-term uh, work experience to get to know the team and then come back and be able to do the job. Sounds pretty cool. And and this was uh, started in February, and this was uh, kind of uh, the the rotation started in the summer, and then I worked there for a few months. And I really liked it. And I just asked the manager of the of the regional office if I can stay there. And he said, yes, that works very well. And I never came back. <laughs> never looked back. So you stay in Vienna. Um, what was it like? What was the difference, Prague to, to, to Vienna? What was it? Uh, did it feel um, that much different? Why, why stay in Vienna? Just because it was the headquarters? You felt like you were getting more exposure? Why? It was the step from, I would say, uh, a boutique to a to a to to a real investment bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the the projects that the, that the office was working on were much bigger. I got to work on some multi-billion euro uh, transactions on 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 different sites. You know, I the the kind of sponsor coverage and leverage finance for the region was also based there. The people were sitting next to me, so I got to also kind of through networking, I got to see what what are the things that people are doing, and I thought, okay. If I if I go back to Prague, I'm I'm never gonna uh, get to work on those things and 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 see this. So you were there for almost uh, two years. Exactly, I, I stayed there for for almost two years. Did you know touch maybe 10, 15 transactions in in different capacities across mm-hmm. sectors, across countries. You know, I through the job I got to uh, travel to all those countries that I've uh, haven't been to previously across Eastern Europe. Uh, and uh, and and see how it goes. Got to meet people. Got to find out how the industry works. You know, it was really at that time that I really found out. Okay, what are the kind of subtleties and differences between you know pure investment banks, the lenders, the boutiques. You know, I, I some some of those uh, kind of uh, did you come uh, typical across Wall names. Street Oasis? Re- did you find Wall Street Oasis at that point or no? <laughs> Later. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I may have had it kind of on the radar on in terms of in terms of you know there's there's some platforms that uh, exist for people who want to go into the industry, but since I already had a job, I didn't really yeah, think uh, of of of, the, of that being relevant to me. Actually, a lot of my kind of job search concentrated around LinkedIn and then some of those country specific platforms to to uh, to apply through. Mm-hmm. Or or just kind of doing my own research, seeing who is who is where, and uh, and uh, applying kind of directly or looking through those uh, awful portals, you know, success factors, Telio, and all this, where you fill out everything since birth, where you've been, <laughs> and what you've done to the to the precision pre- five, with the precision five, to uh, the day. Your five five previous addresses, fifteen references. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Um, so tell me a little bit about just the progression there. So you were, you were kind of almost like in a lev fin, it sounds like, or corp fin advisory, but you're basically working with sponsors to do, help them do deals. Uh, well, the team was purely, uh, M&A advisory, okay. but 
you know, since the bank has a big lending business, it was uh, a lot of kind of PE buy side work yeah. and then uh, typical kind of uh, corporate sell sites and then a few special topics uh, uh, in, in here and there that kind of came about from the from the network of the bank. But, mm-hmm. you know, through this time, I got to learn how to write a, an info memo, how to how to build a financial model. I got pretty confident on, on those kind of uh, essentials of, of investment banking. Mm-hmm. Uh, then what? But, why, leave? why leave? Why not just stick around there at, at, in Vienna forever and write up the, the chain at, at Unicredit? What was your thought process of, of starting to look elsewhere? Well, actually, uh, during my time at Vienna, I met my wife and then uh, she was there temporarily and uh, got a full-time offer to start in Munich. And then I kind of wanted to be with her. So I thought, okay, let's find something else in Munich. Mm-hmm. At that time, there was there was an opportunity uh, to switch within the company, even though there was a Munich office. Uh, so I just thought, okay, fuck it. Let, let mm-hmm. me, let me apply somewhere else. Yeah. And, and so tell me actually, how those interviews went while you were working full-time. Was it hard or was it pretty easy? Actually, I only went for one interview and then I got the offer and I didn't bother applying elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really give it much thought. It was it was to a boutique at the time, which had a different name, but got rebranded on the first day that I joined as as, as Brian Garney and Co. Mm-hmm. And so it's a TMT, a lot of in the venture capital scene, kind of growth, equity, transactions, capital raising, and then also M&A. Cool. Which was a lot of those things were new to me, so I thought, okay, let me let me see what it's gonna be about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the geographic focus was more across Western Europe, but I also thought makes sense to to try something else to also continue doing international transactions as I did before, but in different markets. Let me yeah get to know awesome. how it how it works and uh, and build a bit of a network. Was there? I see you were hired in as a senior analyst. So you're exactly, given so again I, like a second. You're given like the same kind of title you had started from two years before. See, do you, you feel like yes, you're taking a step w- back, but you didn't really take a step back because pay increased or what? What was the No, I kind of had the, had the idea that, uh, that uh, people should do three years as an analyst. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, okay, let me join as an analyst and then we'll see. And then basically uh, right after my, my trial period expired, I said, okay, I'm, I'm already doing the work of an associate. Let me have the title. And they gave it to me. Okay. And then how about your pay at this point um, coming through Unicredit out of Vienna? What was the lifestyle like? And then how did it like shift with that move to Munich? Because obviously it's, I think it's more, is it more expensive in Munich? It's a little bit more expensive, but also the bank that I moved to was more kind of entrepreneurial driven. So there was a, uh, maybe a more significant variable component, but you know, in, in, in that regard, I would say, uh, roughly in in line with what you would expect to get in london in pounds so mm-hmm. with, with the with the exchange different it's it seemed like a like an on-par salary with with the rest of the world yeah that's fair okay so you're you're there you're doing some tmt some growth equity um you're there for a, a pretty long run um yes. two and a half years tell me how you know you got that promotion to associate do you feel like at any stage you were at risk or you were, you were on enough deals, you were working long hours, I assume still, like 60, 80 hour weeks, 100 hour weeks? What was it like? Uh, yes, I, I would say 70, 80 hour a week. But, yeah. uh, Not the horrible. Weekends were, the weekends were usually free, but the, the week was, was pretty much booked for work. There was not much time for anything else. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, a lot of the times coming in before nine to have the first call at nine and then going home at Uber at 11, 12, mm-hmm. uh, de- depending on, de- depending on, uh, on, on projects, but it was a busy period. And then I also spent quite a bit of energy into traveling back and forth because I had, you know, parallel projects in Belgium in Sweden mm-hmm. and, uh, in Finland. So, you know, sometimes having management presentations on a, on a deal three days in a row, and then, you know, when you finish, there's no more flight home on that day. So you fly the next day. Uh, and then in parallel, you, you still get e- email traffic on, on, the, on, the, on the other things uh, that, that you need to deal with from the hotel when you're done. Oh, my gosh. So you're exhausted. Um, tell yes, me about it was, it your... was intense, but it was also uh, a huge learning curve. 
I mean, I was an associate, but I got a lot of flexibility on many of the deals I worked, you know, kind of in a tandem with an intern and an MD or a partner. And mm -hmm. I was basically the one doing everything. Yeah. Uh, so, so it was a very, very good experience from that regard. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about just with that, with those work hours, was your wife working long hours too? So was that easy to balance like relationship wise? Or was she like, this is horrible. You got to stop or you got to get out. <laughs> what was the thought process? There? Cause I know it can be tough, uh, you know, for people who have boyfriends or girlfriends during their analyst stints, but for having a wife, it could be even more cause there's maybe more of like an expectation or was she very understanding? Did she understand what was kind of going in? Well, she had a, I would say a normal job. Uh, so we were able to kind of balance that out, but, uh, um, you know, she was also very understanding of, you know, it, it's, it's also, you know, it's intense, but it's also along a, a growth curve where at some point it should normalize in a career and that actually did materialize. So as I progressed through the ranks, the hours became more manageable and we also got used to the rhythm. Uh, so from that regard, uh, 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 it's it's very important to have the right person next to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I certainly wouldn't recommend uh, to for a it, couple to both pursue this this kind of lifestyle. She was like almost like helping support you a little bit too while you're probably going through all this. Um, yes, I know. We also had our first child during those years. Oh so my gosh, she, she had a kid too. <laughs> she was helping she the was kid. Busy with other things, and uh, yeah. I, I, I was not there for a lot of the things that I maybe could have helped with. So mm -hmm. it was a, a challenging period from that perspective as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I have people asking about. Uh, you know, during their analyst stints, should they have a girlfriend or how do you date and stuff like that? Imagine having a wife and a kid too, on top of that. I can, <laughs> can imagine that not easy. So tell me a little bit about um, the decision to kind Give of go. One second, I need to, I need yep. to plug in my computer, otherwise I'll yeah, yeah, power sure. down. Okay, so you're basically, you know, you're at this new boutique in, in Munich, you know, for two plus years. When was the thought process of like for, for a change? I mean, you're working on great deals getting great experience. Obviously you were traveling a lot, so it was hard, but tell me a little bit about the thought process of uh, going back to, to the previous firm. Yeah. So it was actually just the trigger was, was, uh, was taking time off to, 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 to spend time with the family, you know, and then you have kind of uh, a, a few summer weeks uh, that you get to shut down, you know, you get your projects get restaffed and you're, your phone doesn't doesn't ring all the time and you're you don't have to be online or everything and then you have kind of time to reconsider so i i get that now that a lot of people who are in that rhythm you know that, that uh, it can be very bad for companies when people take a holiday uh because they they get to reconsider their life and i thought okay let me let me do something where at least i don't have to be on the road or in hotels or on, on overnight stays away uh, so I thought, okay, let me continue something in the industry, but with uh, with uh, being less spread out across multiple countries, going back and forth. Was that uh, a potential option at the firm you were at, or there was just too much of international work, where you were you were going to have to be forced to? There wasn't enough work in Germany. That wasn't the, really the setup because it was rather you know the the sector focus and let let us uh, you know get deals in the sector wherever those companies may be. Yeah, and then if you pursue that strategy, you cannot really limit yourself geographically. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, from that perspective, the, the the firm was was clearly set up in a different way, and there was nothing uh, I could have done to to change that. So you had your uh, vacation, so you rethought about your life, said I want more time with family, more at least be home every night. So tell me how you went about doing this. You just called up your old boss, said, "Hey, can I have my job back?" What did you um, like? But no, into this, the, what, I mean, the people have changed and also the, the, the previous company was kind of originally set up. So the, the people from the Munich office didn't necessarily know the people from the Vienna office very well. And I wouldn't describe it as being the same company. It was kind of two uh, subsidiaries of the same parents that yeah. don't necessarily ha ha have much in common in terms of, in terms of you know, individual teams. I mean, I'm sure the, the, the top managers of, of, of both banks in Germany and Austria are in close contact but the individual teams they're not uh, you know kind yeah. of they're each pursuing their their local uh m a opportunities so how did you do it how did you get the jump back was it pretty easy was it just kind of you talked to a few people or were you looking at other banks and did other interviews or 
I talked with a few head hunters in terms of kind of uh, to find out uh, to find out what the options are. I, at you know at that level, I would say you know the jobs being published is not necessarily and this is not necessarily the way to go. So I would say once you have a few ex years of experience, it's more kind of being introduced by headhunters directly to people who are considering hiring someone, the profile may not be very clear or mm -hmm. in that regard, you know, just kind of a personal connection or then, you know, a more, much more narrow platforms for job opportunities like eFinancial and whatever it might be. There's also a few kind of specialized firms in Germany that, uh, that, uh, that kind of publish jobs, mm -hmm. not on the internet, but you need to get on their, newsletter and then you get to see what they have going on got it so through those years i kind of find out that there is this opportunity that's not really visible to the to the general public and it's not really accessible unless you have a few years of experience mm -hmm. uh, to even be considered through that track and you know i thought what the what the options might be i didn't want to do a lateral move to go into another boutique that would have similar setup and similar issues mm -hmm. uh but you know, in the end, there was there was no job posting or opportunity. I just I just met up with the people from the team where I wanted to go, and I just had lunch with one of the guys there. I explained to him my situation. I asked, "Is is 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 there something? Uh, is there a possibility?" He said, "You know, let let me look into it." And then you know, I got the interview that way. So there was there was there was never any job. Uh, uh, posting Search. to apply to yeah so you you kind of but that lunch how did you set up that lunch i just contacted him LinkedIn? on linkedin just yeah. linkedin and said hey can we grab some time to chat and whatever and so because you knew yeah, the company you knew that it was you know you previously worked there and so he said yes you've met you had a discussion about what you were up to and just you basically asked him look like i'm here i have a family I'm looking for well i i didn't even say that i just described my situation and he kind of you know kind of connected the dots and said would you consider moving to our team got it so he do you think they were looking or he just saw that you potentially would be valuable well it's it's the typical problem of investment banks you know the middle tier is usually pretty thin because mm -hmm. at that time you know people have a lot of opportunities mm -hmm. you know there's also you know associates senior associates switching into pe or going into a new direction yeah, a major attrition problem. and yeah it's that's the attrition the, the attrition problem and then also uh you know the pay difference between the top names and the middle tier becomes much bigger so at that time you know if you're if you're happy working in 100 hour week you can go to uh rothschild or one of the budget brackets and double your pay yeah. But, you know, there's a, there's also a price to pay. So a lot of people at that experience level think, okay, am I, am I willing to invest all of my time for another five to 10 years to, uh, you know, so that my hours may be normalized in my first year as an MD or, or do I want to kind of pursue a more reasonable uh, job path earlier on and, and kind of, you know, make some compromise on, on what kind of deals I'm going to be working on. And so that's the, that's the path that you chose. Exactly, I you know at uh, Unicredit in Germany, it's a kind of an established mid-cap M&A mm -hmm. uh, advisory team, which focuses pretty much on its existing client base in the lending business, but it doesn't necessarily compete directly with a lot of those that are you know pursuing opportunities in the open market. You're not doing like ten thousand pitches a, a year, like <laughs> trying to land new deals. Well, there are still yeah. pitches, but it's not necessarily, you know, in a in a beauty contest against 20 other banks on every occasion. Some of those are, you know, existing clients that know us, right. trust us. And yeah. when they decide to sell the company, they only talk to us. Yeah, that makes sense. So it was a very different profile from the boutique where I, you know, organized conferences, scheduled hundreds of meetings, handed out business cards, was tra traveling internationally to to meet a lot of potential clients or even just introducing myself and the firm to 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 hundreds of contacts to to get some of it going into a, into a, even a mandate. So your story is very uh, very international. Seoul, Prague, Munich. <laughs> even a little a little interview in london there tell me um tell me if looking back on like all the, the path that you you took and i think i think something that really probably helped you looking at looking back at your whole story is really was the those internships were critical especially especially the kpmg the accenture 
one really kind of grounded you and kind of gave you a little bit more of a broad perspective of the options out there and kind of started educating you, even though you still decided, Hey, I'm going to go to Seoul my senior year and come back and figure it out. And it ended up working out because I think you had that, that those experiences, and those, those kind of long-term internships with actual deals under your belt and or engagements under your belt. So tell me, like, just looking back, what's your perspective? Do you feel like you would have changed certain things? Um, looking back, do you feel like the path that you chose was a great one, a good one? Any, any kind of regrets on how you would have changed things? Well, you know, uh, looking back, some of, some of my, uh, my classmates, you know, spent the university years doing nothing professionally. And some of them still ended up having, you know, similar job opportunities lined up for them afterwards. You know, some of them also focused more on excelling academically and then, you know, getting the job at McKinsey or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of those kind of uh, uh, seemingly top uh, brand names in the professional world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, in that perspective, I, I certainly felt that, you know, especially if you do business school, uh, it's it's not meant to be a theoretical subject. It's it's meant to be applied. So I thought it makes sense to also kind of cross-check my theoretical knowledge with the real world. And actually, this also helped me, like when I needed to write a paper for the university on some strategy topic of a company, I actually knew how people deal with it in the real world, and I could kind of reflect back. So that was that was very helpful. And then. At the time when I graduated, I certainly didn't have any worries that I'm not going to find a job because I already knew how the how the job market worked, where to go, what what the opportunities are. I had a much better view than most graduates on on on, on what to do and where to go. Of course, it's, it took a lot of uh, time and energy to do those things in parallel, but it was very interesting for me. I certainly didn't have to. Uh, do uh, lifestyle compromises in that sense, uh, mm-hmm. as I know a lot of people kind of during university they 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 eat uh, the Chinese soup from a package, the ramen noodles, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the ramen noodles, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, uh, and they they focus their their energy, and then also you know, comparing to people who who spend uh, tens or hundreds of thousands on on a on a on a premium degree from whatever Ivy League school or, or INSEAD or Land Business School, you know, with, with a lot of them, I ended up doing kind of similar things professionally. And I, did, I never felt like I was at a disadvantage kind mm-hmm. of judging my, my work against theirs. Yeah. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, the advice I would give to people deciding what to do is to do kind of uh, double down on professional experience and, and not waste your money on 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 premium academics yeah it's really interesting it's like getting the right experience event is so much more viable than like the 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 brand name of the school potentially like if you can get a couple strong brand name companies with the right project and the engagements people are going to value the, the real world's going to value that a lot more um exactly and then once yeah. you have some professional experience the academic background becomes you know the, yeah the line you don't really get to when you present your cv yeah fair enough well, listen, Jacob, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your story and all of your wisdom. Um, anything else you want to share before we call it? Or is that it? Um, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I, I hope, you know, to those, to those who get to see my story, that it, it helps them decide on which direction to go. For and sure. uh, from, from that perspective, happy to help. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jacob. Thank you. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.